Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Well, today, uh, in our series, 242, what does that mean? Well, it's, we're, we're going to read it. You're beginning to be familiar with it, Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. As we begin today, I'm going to take an illustration from Scripture uh, that, it, that is going to help us just visualize what God is doing in our 242 series. It's powerful, and it's going to be a dynamic impact in your life. So let's begin reading here. Let's look at this. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. How many are there? Okay, good. How about everybody else? Come on, join us. How many are 242? All right, I know it's on the screen, but I'd like for you to know how to find it, at least on your phone, okay? Or, or, or better yet, you got your Bible. All right, let's look at this. Acts 242. They devoted themselves. So something became a commitment to them. How many understand the word commitment? You know, you know what I find out? The things I commit myself to are the things that become valuable to me. The things that I, that I am sporadic about are not valuable to me. When I take ownership, when I commit, when I devote, when I choose to say this is important to me, you know what happens? It becomes valuable to me. How many understand that? If I don't have input in it, if I don't invest in it, it has little value to me. Do you know they tell us today in, uh, in the business world, in the marketplace, that generational businesses, the one the father started and made very successful, that the failure rate of that business in the second and third generations is abnormally high. Do you know why? Because if you didn't pay the price and put the blood, sweat, and tears into it. How many are with me today? And invest in it, the value is not as real. Here's what I've discovered. I'm thankful for what Jesus Christ has done in my life. Anybody thankful? I, I'm, I'm not devoted because I'm afraid of him. I'm devoted because I love him. I'm devoted because I'm grateful to him. I'm devoted because I know what he is doing in my life. Anybody with me today? My devotion to God is not out of fear. It's not out of guilt. It's not out of shame. It's not out of burden. It's out of, an, out of a love for this amazing God who changed my life, and I just want to know him more. Anybody with me on that journey? So there, this is how the church began. Maybe when we look at this anointed, powerful, effective church, Maybe the difference of how effective the church was in its origin and where the church is stumbling through our modern culture, it may be right here in this core issue that they were so devoted, so committed, so in love, so caught up with the grace of God that it became the preeminent thing in their life. And when that happens, good things take place. Everybody's still with me right now? Okay. I know it's Labor Day weekend. But don't go on vacation till you leave this service today. Would you help a brother out right now? In fact, go ahead, reach out and tap somebody for me. I said tap. I didn't say slap. Just tap somebody and say, let's get with this thing today. Come on. Would you, you, all right. Okay. So I, I know you're there, but I just want to hear you sometime. I'm, okay. So this is one of those churches. Yeah. You can help me preach. It's all right. They devoted themselves. To what? The apostles' teaching, the word. They devoted themselves to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. That's why we're talking about life groups. It wasn't an add-on 
It wasn't a cute idea. It was a devoted commitment to the God who had changed their lives. And they were devoted to prayer. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayer. Four streams that the power of the Holy Spirit was flowing through. I really believe that when we will commit to these things, it's not a thousand things, that we develop a culture, we give God a chance, we devote ourselves to we're going to be a word culture at Calvary. We're going to be committed to the Word of God. Can I be very transparent and, and raw with you for a minute? Are, are you big enough to take it? Are, are we mature enough to take what I'm about to say? People ask me frequently, lately, with all the social justice issues we're grappling with in the nation. Pastor, how does Calvary do it as a racially diverse church? I get asked that a lot. People want to know because this kind of diversity is not common. Okay, everybody still with me? Got quiet all of a sudden. That sucked the air out of the room, didn't we? Somebody needs to talk about it. So how do you do it? What do you do? This is what I tell them. I said, at Calvary, we have a word culture. And we're committed to the word above everything else. We start with the word. So our agenda is not politics. Our agenda is not tradition. Our agenda is not religion. Our agenda is the word. We gather around the word. We have a word culture. So we have a commonality. See, at Calvary, we are not white Christians and black Christians. We are Christians that may be black, Christians that may be white, Christians that may be brown, Christians that may be red, Christians that may be yellow, and in America today, Christians that may be a combination of all the above. Are you with me? But I'm a Christian first. I'm not a white Christian. I'm a Christian. I, I, I've been reading that Bible a long time, and I never read a category for white Christians. I never read a category for black Christians. Now, if you want to, I, I mean, that's all I got. So our culture, how do we do it? We don't do it. We honor the word of God. And as we put God in his word first, guess what? We just love each other, walk together, have a commonality, a place that we can put. Everybody with me on this thing? That's my answer. That's who we are. It's how we, what we do. It's how we got here. So, so here's the thing. We have a word culture. We, we are saying, God, uh, we believe that in the church in America, we, we have become such an isolated and, and, and a somewhat reclusive and reluctant culture that we have to reestablish fellowship and breaking of bread, eating together. Do you know why? Because that was a stream that the Holy Spirit worked through as the church was so effective. And then, of course, a culture of prayer. Now, because of those devoted commitments, what happened? Let's keep reading. Verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. My friends, God has not changed. Those signs, wonders, and miracles are as available today as they have ever been. We must just give God the opportunity to do those things. We are devoted to the Word of God. Do you know what I've discovered over the years pastoring and preaching? That I will get what I preach. If I teach it, people hear it. If the Word is taught and people hear it, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Why aren't there more miracles in the American church? Because there's so little teaching about miracles in the American church. We get what we teach. 
We have faith for what we hear. And if we devote ourselves to a culture of the word and prayer and we love one another with fellowship and breaking the bread, we create an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to walk in and let God be God in every man a liar. Come on, anybody with me today? Let's quit reinventing the church and let's reestablish the church. I'm trying to read, but I'm, it's hard not to... Okay, let's keep going. So what happens? All the believers were together. Do you see that supernatural unity that just happened? It's not forced. It's a result of. See, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They not only had a supernatural unity, they had a supernatural, listen to me, generosity. Selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone who has need. If somebody was in trouble, they said, I've got you. I'm going to help you. I'm here for you. Let's keep reading. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. Okay? So they had the gathering, the big gathering. It's like hell itself doesn't want us together anymore, but we're gathering. Come on. Huh? They met together and, notice, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So there's the gathering and there's the life group. There's the temple. There's the house to house. That's the rhythm of the New Testament church. Let's not try to reinvent it. What happens in that setting? Verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Because they were living out the church, they didn't have to wait to go to church in a building for someone to hear the gospel. People saw it every day, all day long through the lifestyle of the church. <clears throat> now, so we see that. Let, let's go to Ephesians 2 and verse 19. I, I, I left off with this last week. I want to go back there. Ephesians 2, 19. So, so we see this thing that God is doing there. And, and, and we see this 242. That's, you know, I, I'm wearing the T-shirt. So, Pastor, why you got it on? I'm advertising unashamedly. <laughs> The vision that God's given us. How many with me right now? You say, is that a subliminal message? No, it's an in-your-face message. It's what? Okay. So, so, so let's go to Ephesians 2 and verse 19. Ephesians 2, 19. So what is God doing? What does this 242 look like? I'm trying to help you see what the Holy Spirit's doing, all right? Uh, Ephesians 2, 19. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people, I like that. And members of God's what? Okay. Members of the house, the household. Okay. Now think of this. Let's keep reading. All right. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. So it's obvious what's being referred to here is not a physical building, but a spiritual building. There's a foundation, the apostles, the prophets. The word of God, the, the, the ministry is foundation that, that, that's here. And he says, God is building something here, all right? So let's watch, verse 21. In him, in Christ, the whole building, right? So think of a building. See that concept, right? In him, the whole building is joined how? Together. You don't have a building until you put the blocks together. Are you with me? We, we, we don't have a gathering until we get together, right? We don't have an assembly unless we assemble. <laughs> okay, so, so in him, the whole building is joined together and rises 
to become a holy temple in the Lord. Watch what happens when we allow God to connect us, when we're gathered, when we're assembled, not just in the big gathering, but in the small ones as well. What happens? And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. When we allow God to take our individual lives and put us together, he actually builds a house, a spiritual house, in which he dwells by his spirit. Come on, is that good? He literally takes our individual lives, places us together in his wisdom and sovereign plan, and as we allow him to do that, he says, I'm going to step in the midst of those guys. I'm going to be big in that place. I'm going to be God in that place. So, so we see the value of this. It's so important, church family, to recognize how God values our connections. Our connection with him is validated by our connection with one another. Now listen to me. We're not going to, I've told you from the beginning, I'm not going to force people to do what they don't want to do. I'm not, I, I a long time ago gave up guilting people into serving God. It wore me out trying to be the Holy Spirit as a young pastor. How many understand what I'm saying? It wore me out trying to get people who didn't want to obey God to obey God. And I began to realize if God couldn't do it, George can't do it. <laughs> So I'm going to preach the truth, teach the truth, let the Holy Spirit move, and I believe God is going to take life and put us together. Now, we have a human hesitancy to connect sometimes. It's an odd thing. We, we are desperate to connect and intimidated to do it. I hear people talk all the time, Pastor, I really need some friends. I, I, I really need some connections. We, you hear this as a buzzword. I need some people to do life with. Right. Hear it all the time. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you know, I, here's another buzzword. You know, that, that's good now. I, we, you know, Pastor, we need community. I'm in. So I got 30 life groups. What you doing? You want to do life with somebody? Well, get in a life group. You want to build community? Well, commune with somebody. <laughs> Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. You know, I, I think we ought to meet with me. Let's do it. We're out there. See, we have this sense that we know that's good, but we just kind of have that hesitancy, step in the water. How many understand what I'm talking about? Come on, it's okay. So I'm going to let the Holy Spirit get us there. But I want to encourage you to step out of your comfort zone. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say amen. All right. So we see the value, how God values that. Now, I want you to turn to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1. I've got to, man, I've got to stay on track. How in the world did it get to be that time already? Don't, don't, don't tempt me here. Let's go to me, Nehemiah, chapter 1. All right, come on. Nehemiah, how many find in Nehemiah? All right, so, so watch this. I want to illustrate this. I want to illustrate this. Nehemiah, chapter 1. What is God doing? What did, I, what did we just read? What's God doing? He's building a spiritual house. He's gathering people together. 
We look at Acts 2.42 in that, in that beginning of the church in, in its glory and its anointing and its effectiveness and its world-changing power, life-giving power, uh, helping hurting people, connecting lonely people, putting lives together, raising people up, seeing people delivered and set free. And, and we see this rhythm of, uh, in the temple and house to house, the gathering and then breaking into groups for fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer. It was dynamic. God gives us a picture in Ephesians 2 that it is like, it, it is building. It is God taking you and I. We're the stones that he's placing together in the building. It's powerful. It's powerful. Nehemiah is, is the picture of this. It's interesting. Uh, many biblical scholars will tell you that Nehemiah, whom God used, we're going to read a little of this quickly. Nehemiah is really a picture of the Holy Spirit at work. He's a type of the Holy Spirit working. In fact, his name is Yahweh Comforts, the Comforter. So we, we see how God used Nehemiah, stay with me, and we get some insight about how God is building his church right now. So let's look at this. Nehemiah 1. Let me quickly just catch you up. Israel had been defeated by Nebuchadnezzar. They had, they had sinned against God again and again and again. Unfaithful king after unfaithful king after unfaithful king. Until finally God says, I have reached the end of my mercy. Can I tell you something? I never want to find out where the end of God's mercy is. Anybody in this house say amen with that to me? I'm thankful for mercy. How many thankful for mercy? I never want to find out what the end of it is. They discover the end of his mercy. He, he, in other words, if he continued to do what he was doing, he would be condoning their rebellion. So he said, i got to stop. Can't keep my hand on you anymore. For the first time after they'd gone into the promised land, they're defeated. They're destroyed. Jerusalem is torn to rubble. The temple is down. The, the offerings are stolen, and, and the people are exiled into Babylon. After about 70 years, a new king, Cyrus, comes to the throne, and he allows Ezra uh, to take a group back to Jerusalem. They go back, and, and uh, of course, the first thing they want to do is, is rebuild the temple. And, and they begin to rebuild the temple so they can worship God and, and, and begin to restore the nation. But the surrounding peoples began to oppose them and accuse them and discourage them. And, and the people just stopped and walked off and left the temple uh, unassembled. About uh, 20 years later, another group comes back and, 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 and the prophets begin to speak to them. You can read through these minor prophets in, in your Bible. And, and they re-engage and they, they construct the temple. But then... They go back to being uh, concerned with their own life. And, and, and they go back and they don't finish the job of building this city. Okay, Here's the picture of, of allowing God to put them back together again. Restore the devastation. Bring it back in order so we can dwell in the midst of. So God raises up this man named Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a Jew, a Hebrew, who has been exiled into this foreign country. He had been unusually, supernaturally promoted to the cupbearer of the king. The man the king trusted with his life. The man who sampled the king's wine and food before he would have it to make sure that he wouldn't be poisoned. He stood at his right hand. Nehemiah was positioned there. And so word comes to him. Let's go to Nehemiah 1, verse 3. Someone comes back and tells him about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are, in, are back in the province. 
are in great trouble in what? What, ha- what do you say? The conditions, they are in trouble in what? Disgrace. Why? The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. They said, Nehemiah, the city's devastated. The walls are down. The gates are burned. It's an embarrassment. It's a disgrace. What was once a testimony has become disassembled. What was once a picture of the presence of God has now become a symbol of disconnection. The stones aren't gathered, they're scattered. The stones aren't a testimony, they're an indictment. Are you with me? And he says in verse 4, verse four when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And so then we read in the rest of chapter 1, he, he, he prays, he fasts, and he walks into the presence of the king for the first time, and his face is sad, and it's obvious he's unhappy. Now, you understand, that was not allowed in the presence of the king. But Nehemiah said, God's hand is on me. I must do something. And the king says, what's wrong, Nehemiah? He said, I've heard a report about the city of my God. It's in disgrace. It's broken down. It's unconnected. It's, un, it's scattered. It's not gathered. It, it's a disgrace. And the king says, well, what do you want to do? He says, I want to go rebuild it. The hand of God is on me. I want to go rebuild it. I want to go reconnect it. I want to go regather it. I can't live knowing it's like that. And the king says, you can go. He says, how long will you stay? And he gave him a date. And then, he, and, and then Nehemiah said, and would you send your uh, edict with me and say passage? And the king says, you go. You go do what you need to do. Nehemiah is a picture of what I believe the Holy Spirit is doing in the church in America today. Is anybody with me right now? And I believe the Holy Spirit is saying we may be, have been in a pandemic and we're dealing with other waves of pandemic, but the Holy Spirit says I'm at work right now. Are anybody with me right now? I'm at work right now. Do you know sometimes things are dissembled so they can be reassembled in a way that's better than it was before? Anybody hearing what I'm saying right now? Sometimes things are put down so that when they come up, they are built again in the image and the likeness of God. So the Holy Spirit is working, I believe, working at Calvary, working in his church right now. Like Nehemiah, the hand of the Lord is on me. So we go and Nehemiah goes there and he gets into chapter 2 and and he says at night he had to go see what the destruction was like. And he was trying to ride his horse through the rubble of Jerusalem and he couldn't even pass through. There was so much destruction as a result of what had happened. I want you to see this. I want, I want to make sure you get this picture here that these walls and these gates that had once been a testimony of the power of God, this city of Zion that was a physical reminder of the goodness and the graciousness of God, now the stones, listen to me, that had been a testimony were a stumbling block to the people that are walking there now. Do you know that when the enemy scatters the church and disconnection becomes the norm, do you know that what what was a testimony becomes a stumbling block around us? Do you know if God can scatter, if the enemy can scatter the church of God, do you know what was once a testimony becomes a stumbling block? How many are with me right now? 
Did you get what I said? In other words, when we once worshipped and served him and loved him and honored him and put him first, and we allow life and the enemy to rob us of that, then our life that spoke of him now becomes a stumbling block to somebody that needs to find him. And when they look at me, instead of seeing who I was, they see what I've become, and they trip over my unfaithfulness. Anybody still with me today? I've got to tell you the truth. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to come back in this thing, and he begins to walk through it, can I tell you some good news? This picture is of your life and my life individually. In the picture of a church at large. And I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit is willing to walk in the middle of my rubble. Come on, anybody thank God. I'm thankful he's willing to walk at night in my broken down, disordered, out of order, unconnected, fragmented life. And say, let's get to work in here. Let's make this thing. The, the enemies, when they saw them begin to rebuild the wall, the enemies around them laughed at them. Said, you can't build this wall. You're going to do this thing in a day. They said, you're going to make these dried up, burned up stones. Can they live again? Oh, did they realize what they said? They nearly prophesied. Here we are in the New Testament called living stone. And there the enemies of God are laughing, saying, can a stone live? I'm here to tell you, when God lays his hand on a broken down, cracked up stone, burned by life, the stones can live. I believe God wants to gather Calvary in a mighty house of faith and anointing that will be a testimony for everyone who ever lost their way and lost their hope and life broke them down to say, these stones can live again. This thing can happen again. Are you with me? He was, he was uh, just consumed with a passion to rebuild the walls and the gates. Well, Pastor... The temples were the presence of God. So what's so big about the walls and gates? Well, while the walls were down and the gates were burned, the temple was abandoned. <laughs> the worship had ceased. Idols had been put in that place. A mixture of evil had been added to what was once holy. I'm going to tell you, it's important that we allow God to build his house, that we understand the safety, the protection the power, the anointing that is present when we let him put our life in this holy building. Anybody with me right now? See, what's significant about the gates? The gates were the focal point of the city in that culture. If you read history, if you read your Bible, what are you going to find? The gates of the city represented everything valuable in that city. See, the gates were where the government of the city gathered. The gates were where the, the, the seat of authority, it was literally called, isn't it interesting, when Jesus said, I will build my church, he used the word ecclesia, the assembly. Do you know what they called the government leaders who would come at the gates of the city? The ecclesia, the gathering, the city. Do you know what they discovered in this day and time? This is what they knew. They said, whoever controls the gates rules the city. When the word was read by the, by the scribes, when Ezra came, they read it at the gates. When the prophets prophesied to a city, they prophesied at the gate. When announcements were made, it was at the gate. Do you know that hell has a gate? Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you take the gate, you rule the city. Hell has a gate. 
but do you know heaven has a gate? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes in through the gate but through me. And John, he said, I am the gate. I want you to know that Nehemiah, the Holy Spirit, understood if we're going to build a house of God, we have to put the gates back in order. Psalm 100 says, the gate... Look at verse 4, Psalm 104. The gate is how I access the presence of God. I will enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. I'll come into his courts with praise. The gates were the place of access. They were the place of protection. They were the place of safety. They were the place where God would work. Look at Psalm 24, 7 through 10. Come on. I want you to read this out loud with me. Are gates important? Psalm 24, 7. Lift up your head. Come on, let me hear you. Lift up your head, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors. Why? That the king of glory, if the church will get their act together, if the church will let God build his house, God will come in the midst of that house. Come on. Amen. Verse 8. Look at it here. What are we reading? Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord. How many of you want the Lord walking in the house? Dwelling in the house. How does he come in when the Holy Spirit puts the house together again? Look at verse number 9 with me here. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors. Why? That the king of glory may come in. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You understand that, that the gates uh, uh, restricted access to the wicked Allow the king to come in and establish a place where God could do his work. Let me fast forward. I may come back to this. What about the walls, pastor? Why were the walls important? Because they gave identity to the city. The wall gave protection to the city. In other words, if you said, where is the city of Jerusalem? Where is Zion, the city of God? They said, right there. There it is. There's the wall. That's where it starts. That's the territory it occupied. I believe in our culture today, it's important for people to be able to say, is there a church in North Alabama? Yes, it's right there. There's a church right there on Highway 20. There's a church over here. There's a church over there. Where is the church? There is the church. Who is the church? We are the church. It's an identity. It, it, it is a place of uh, uh, where you're protected and you can grow in your faith, and you're safe in how you live, and, and you connect to what God is doing. You see, here's the important thing. As we live in this world today, church, let me ask you. Let me ask you individually. Do you have any gates and walls on your life? Do you have anything filtering the access into your life? Is just anything running in and running out? Is there anything that you use to qualify what I look at? what I listen to, what I talk about, what I feed my spirit. I'm going to tell you the church needs to reestablish some gates and some walls. As long as the gates and the walls were down, false gods came in. Enemies came in. They trampled on the temple of God. They ignored the presence of God. They, they, they made God's presence mixed with the wicked and the evil. And when Nehemiah came in and rebuilt the wall and reestablished the gate, he said, clear the temple out. Get rid of the things that have caused this city to fall. And once again, the presence of God was established. 
It's a mighty thing they did. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. How many hear your pastor today? How many hear what God is saying? That the Holy Spirit will bring us together. Let me do this. Go to Nehemiah 3. I have really edited this message, but I want you to see it. Are you ready? How many say, Pastor, I want to be in the wall? Can I see your hand? I want to be in that living house. I, I want God to put me together. I, I, I want to be where God dwells, where the King of glory comes in through the gates. I, I want to live my life in that atmosphere. Not just in this building, but the spiritual house of God. I want to be connected. I want to belong. See, everybody needs to be somewhere where God placed you. How many heard what I said? Everybody needs to be in a connection that's from the Lord. And I look at, at, at Nehemiah chapter 3, and I'm going to drive the, the, the tech people crazy right now. But, but I, I just want you to understand, you need to go read this. How does God build that church? How does God, how does the Holy Spirit, Nehemiah being a picture of the Holy Spirit, how is a spiritual house built? It's built one family at a time. It's built one person at a time. It's everybody individually saying, my block's as important as any other block. If I don't put my block in, something's going to be missing. Are you with me? How do they do it? Look at this work. Their enemy said you can never do it. But, but we start reading in, 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 in uh, Nehemiah 3.1, Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. Look at verse 2. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zachar, son of Emery, built next to them. Verse 3, the fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassaniah. Verse 4, Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakoth, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshulam, son of Barakah, the son of Meheshabel, made repairs. Next to him, Zadok, son of Benai, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa. But look at this one, my, my, my. But the nobles would not put their shoulders to the work. Oh, so you too big and bad to get involved in this thing. I could preach on that for a while, but I don't have time. I'm too spiritual. I don't need fellowship. I don't need to connect. I don't need to be in a spiritual house. Me and Jesus got our own thing going. Okay, let's keep going. We keep going on. Let, let, let's, let's drop down verse 8. Uzziel, uh, son of Hariah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired next section. And Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. We drop down verse 10. Adjoining this, Jedidiah, son of Harumpha, made repairs opposite his house. Hadash, son of uh, some guy with another H, made repairs next to him. Malchijah, son of Hiram, and Hashab, son of Fahath Moab, repaired another section. And the tower of the ovens, it goes on and on. Next section, with the help of his daughters. Nobody said, that's not on my job description. Nobody said, I'm a goldsmith, not a wall builder. Nobody said, I'm a woman, not a man. Nobody said, I'm a priest, not a builder. Nobody said, I can't do it. Everybody said, I'm going to build my section. I'm going to take care of my house. I'm going to be faithful to what God said. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. There's not going to be a gap in my spiritual house because I didn't want to get up and go to church. There's not going to be a missing place because I'm too big, too bad, too spiritual, too weak, too old, too young, too girl, too man. I'm going to jump in this thing, and God's going to use me, and we're going to build a house of God. I want you to stand with me. Come on, let's stand together today. The incredible work of Nehemiah. To rebuild the wall and the gates so the spiritual house of God can once again bring the glory of God 
is a picture of the Holy Spirit working in our lives individually. I have good news for us today. Worship team, come on. I have good news for us today. That God is not intimidated by the rubble in your life. How many are thankful for that today? God's not intimidated by what's been disconnected, disjointed, broken down, burned with fire, left as invaluable. God is the God who specializes in taking the things man says that will never be valuable again. That will never live again. And putting it in place. Ordering it together. Making it something dynamic. That's the God we serve. Today, I want to say to you, I want to build my part of the wall. I want to build my part of the wall. You know, we, we do that in our home. We do that as this local church. But I want you to think of a bigger picture. I want you to think about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in this nation today. I know one thing. I want Calvary to fill our place in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody with me today? We're not the beginning and the ending of it. But if God's building a revival in America, I don't want to miss my time in the revival in America. If God is getting an awakening together, I don't want there to be a gap where Calvary ought to be in place serving God with all their heart and all their soul. Church family, I sense the Holy Spirit is coming through this nation and taking what others said will never be done again and doing it better than it ever had been done before. Every once in a while, we have to look at something that's been, uh, what, what could I say? It's, it's been uh, adjusted by man. It's been, it's been done a little this way and pulled a little that way. And maybe what some people say is never going to come back is not going to come back the way it was. It's going to come back better than it ever has been. It's time for God. The Holy Spirit is building a spiritual house. And God's taking every one of us, my place, my stone, my section, I'll build mine. I'll connect with you. My family's with me. My daughters are with me. I may be a perfume maker by day, but by night I'm building a house of God. I may be a priest, but I'm not too good to roll up my sleeves and get down in here and let's build the house of God. Come on, everybody with me? It's not about title. It's not logos and egos. They need to be checked at the door. It's about a heart that says, God, do this thing with us right now. Church family, I want us to pray together right now. Let's just pray. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And we say to you today, Lord, we are hungry. We are expectant. We are, we, we are uh, just on fire to allow you to come and assemble and gather and build and construct and maybe regather and reassemble and reconnect, God, that house that will bring you glory. That place where the presence of God dwells in all power and might, all mercy and grace. Lord, we are here today, and we are gathered, and we say, yes, God. We say, yes, God. We are gathered on site. We are gathered online. We are gathered together. We're committed. We're devoted to your word, to prayer, to fellowship, to breaking of bread. We're committed to the plan of God. We're devoted to the things of God. We're thankful that you're working in our midst, Lord, today. God, I just call men and women out today. In the name of Jesus, I call them out of those broken places. Call them out of those dry places, burnt up places, God. I call them into the grace and the goodness and to the life and the hope of Jesus Christ. I call them back into a place of fellowship in the name of Jesus. 
Lord, I pray that hope rises up, courage rises up, faith rises up, that we see we are living at an amazing moment in time where God is building and establishing and connecting a place where he dwells by his spirit. We thank you, God. We thank you for it, God. We praise you for it, God. Hallelujah. Church family, right now, I just sense the important thing for us to do is just say, God, I volunteer. <laughs> Make me a stone. I volunteer. Put me in the house, God. I want to live in the dwelling place of the Lord. If that's you, would you just put your hands up? That's a sign of surrender. It's a sign of volunteer. Just put them up. Nobody's looking at you. You may do a half mass, full mass. I don't know. doesn't matter. Just say, God, here I am. God, here I am. I want us to begin to pray like that just for a moment. I want to hold it. God, right now you see us. You see our surrender. You see our hands. You see our hearts. We say to you, God, we give you our hands. We give you our lives. God, we want you to use us. Build a house where your anointing, your presence dwells. Uh, build a place where the gates are open and the king of glory walks in in all of his mighty power. Welcome, Lord. Welcome, Holy Spirit, in my life individually, into my home, into our church, into this nation. Welcome, Jesus. Welcome, mighty God. We are here. We are connecting. We are saying, God, we want you. We need you. We believe for you today. We trust you today. If you want to, you can put your hands down. I want to pray with one more group. You're here today. Say, Pastor, I need to connect to God. <laughs> I need to connect to the Lord. I'm past due. I'm over. It's, I've got to have something happen in my life today. It, 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 I've, Pastor, something has to take place. Here and now. No more days. No more, no more lone rangers. No more disconnection. Pastor, I've got to take a step to God. I want you to do it right now. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you've been drifting and it's time to come back. You've been drifting. It's time to turn and go to God. Would you pray that prayer with me right now? Come on, church. Father, for everyone here that's drifted, for everyone that's been isolated and disconnected, for everyone that's, that's, that's been moved off their journey, we say come home in the name of Jesus. We say come back in the name of Jesus. We say God is here in the name of Jesus. He's ready and willing in the name of Jesus. We say don't wait another minute. Don't take another step away. Take a step to him today in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.